0: welcome to the big mike fun podcast We you learn about advanced wealth building strategies from real estate investing to creating massive roi and secure retirement profits so pour yourself a cup of coffee grab a notepad and lean in because big mike has got the life starting now welcome
1: to the big mike fun podcast i'm the big mike mike zlatnik and today it is my pleasure and a privilege to welcome nick uh ligamaro did i pronounce your name correctly you got it right man i i, I you, you do it better than i do I, i'm not gonna try to pronounce your name sometimes as we either <laughs> so. i gotta double check sometimes i mispronounce oh man name I, name do, I gotta double check too you kidding me all good so t- thank you for joining uh nick is an expert he's the notes guy right nick is the known as a notes guy so he's been doing notes forever and he's been investing in real estate since 2001 and um He's experienced the crash of 2008. He's obviously lived through the ups and downs. <laughs> and he's bought, fixed, rented, sold, flipped, and been a lender on over a 1,000 properties. Wow, that's, that's awesome.
0: This so, shows you how old I am, Mike, you know? <laughs>
1: how wise you are, <laughs> right? How old I am. Maybe not as wise, but that's fine. Thank you. But tell us a little bit about you, where you live, uh, as I like to call it, Family, kids, pets, cats, and 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 other. (laughs) Exactly.
0: Well, I'm in I'm in Texas. I've been uh, I've been in Texas for since early 1990s uh, from Arizona originally, Um, and I started my real estate career and right around 2000, uh, primarily in the Dallas Fort Worth market, Uh, but we did a lot of transactions all through the state of Texas. Um, I lived in Dallas in the Dallas area. All the way up until about August of 2020, and then we end up uh, moving from Dallas to to a town a little little bit outside of Austin, about 30 minutes outside of Austin, uh, out on Lake Travis. So I'm down in the Austin Hill Country now
1: that's great yeah I love Texas Te- Texas is, uh, is an awesome state and if you' are in Dallas you I'm, I'm sure you know Eddie Eddie speed and the I, know Eddie,
0: I, I know Eddie very well I know uh, know pretty much everybody in the Dallas in the Dallas market yeah I know Eddie and Martha great people uh, I, I, I didn't get to do their their summer su- their summer summit this year but I was traveling but um, always good to hear hear his name and always like chatting a business with him because he is a he has forgotten more than I will ever probably know Mike to be quite honest with you
1: oh Eddie is awesome he's a good friend of many years and um, uh, he's uh, <laughs> I, I've had him on a podcast and he, yeah he, him and Martha have come to New York and I've hosted them here in New York City nice at, at, the, uh, at the Russian tea room years ago but <laughs> <laughs> kind of time flies let's talk about you so uh, you live in Dallas family uh,
0: yeah so uh, well we just like I just said we just moved to Austin area Austin, I'm I,
1: sorry I still say
0: Dallas all the time you know after you after you've lived there for so long you mm-hmm. go yeah I live in Dallas and I don't live in Dallas and I haven't lived in Dallas for six months so who knows how long it's gonna take me to remember where I live but uh <laughs> I, got, I have two kids they're uh, they're both uh, they're both in college right now they just finished uh, my daughter just graduated or is graduating from the University of Texas and she's going to be heading now to uh, USC for graduate school out in uh, Los Angeles. And my son uh, just finished his first year at Arizona State University in Phoenix or in the Phoenix suburbs. Um, and now they're both just sort of taking a little time off for the summer. We'll see what happens.
1: That's great. Yeah, Family is the most important thing. Absolutely. All right. So let's, let's talk a little bit about um, notes. So what do you see? Just, let's just start this way. What has changed during COVID? Uh, what what have you seen transformational in the notes business?
0: Well, it's so that's a great question, and I think what what's happening now on the notes side as well as on real estate, it's a crazy market out there, and I don't know anybody ever predicted it. I really didn't think there'd be a, a, a real setback per se. I, I didn't think it would be as gangbusters as it has been for the last better part of almost a year now, probably since about June or July of, uh, of 2020. I mean, there was about a 30 to 45 day where people were going, whoa, what what just hit us? Uh, but notes are extremely, uh, are extremely popular and, and valuable right now because, well, a couple of reasons. One, as you know, mortgage notes are secured by the physical property, the asset, whether it be a business or a home or whatever. Well, if properties continue to go up in value and you own the mortgage note, your, your risk is mitigated every time that value goes up in value. So notes have become more popular, especially in non-performing notes. Uh, performing notes are all, will always be popular just, for, just because they're more passive in nature and um, people like them. Um, but I, where I think the true opportunity is coming, uh, where was, let's talk about what's happened over the last 10 years, Right. Since, since the correction of 2008, 9, whatever whatever date you want to throw in there, um, mortgages and, and traditional mortgages that have been written by Chase, Fargo, Bank of America, they've all been extremely low interest rates. We're still seeing low interest rates on mortgage notes. Well, as corrections start to happen and the market starts shifting from a, from a seller market back to a buyer's market and this forbearance period, that's what we've seen the most um, – you know, happened in the last year is, is all the forbearance of mortgages that have been sort of uh, kicked down the road, for lack of a better word. And that's all coming to a head really, really soon. And where I see the opportunity is I am big into creating notes, not necessarily buying and selling them, but I have bought many, many notes. I've sold many notes. I fixed many notes. But my true, my true desire is to create notes out of something that uh, either uh, exist today in the form of maybe underlying debt, and we can talk about that, or just by going out and creating my own opportunity and creating deal structures. So where I see the big opportunity, Mike, coming in the next 12 to 18 months, is there's so much cheap debt out there, and what I mean by that is all these mortgages that have been written for the last 10 years have are all at somewhere between two and call it four and a half five percent that's cheap capital and if you can buy that buy the rights to that capital because you're able to buy it on a either subject to or some other creative financing mechanism you can turn around and take that and reuse that debt and then and then basically wrap it with more expensive debt and then basically arbitrage the difference and that's how we profit on these deals and that's and that's a win-win for everybody because a seller, this is what happened. This is what used to go on in, before 1990. All these mortgages were written this way and you would buy you'd buy the rights of somebody's mortgage. Now, these are not assumable mortgages. And the bank will tell you that you can't separate the deed from the note. And they said they may call the note. But at the end of the day... Um, doesn't mean that you can't do it, and if they they decide they want to go and try to do something about it, well, there's many many exits around solving that problem if in fact it comes path
1: Well, that's that's a lot of information packed in this <laughs> this short paragraph, but I love it. Uh, so here, he, let, let's just continue this conversation along the lines. So you see the opportunity today in buying houses subject to the existing debt, whatever it is. It's it's a you know it's great cheap. Um, low rate, uh, 30 or whatever, fifteen-year mortgages, and then wrapping them around and selling it to sort of seller financing to the buyers who can't get uh, the debt, and they wind up paying paying higher rates and creating arbitrage. Where do you see these type of deals? You see them in the Texas area? You see them other states? Oh,
0: they're 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 everywhere. I mean, I think the last number, I don't. And look, I don't trust all the numbers that I obviously read and see, uh, because it, you know what you don't really know is really what drives it. But let's just say it's let's just say there's four million l- loans that are in uh, forbearance. That's, that's sort of the number, and that's really just talking about the, the mortgages that are the, the the federally insured stuff, right? The Freddie Fannie uh, things on those lines. There's a lot of mortgages that are out there. Uh, where where people are in forbearance that is, that are privately held mortgages, for example, what people don't realize, Mike, is that the number there there. What I will say: the mortgages that are written each year that are non-traditional bank mortgages that are not written by Chase, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, City, all those big banks that you know the ones that are writing these these uh, deals. It's about a twenty-five billion dollar a year industry it's a pretty big number 25 billion that's billion with the b meaning that in the last 4 years basically there's been over 100 billion dollars in what i would call private privately created seller finance paper that's been written that hasn't been doesn't have the name of Ch- chase or wells fargo on it and so it's the 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 market is there the appetites there the need is there the, and as we continue to grow as a, as a country and the, the amount of entrepreneurs that are out there and self-employed and 1099 uh, folks that are out there that have create and start their own businesses, there's just a desperate need for having other alternative financing mechanisms besides Chase and Wells Fargo and the big banks.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So the, these opportunities do exist. I'm, I'm well aware of it. And I know people who originate these non um I guess uh, they're conforming, but they're non you know, not Chase, non Wells Fargo, uh, and other loans, and they they can have a high interest rate. Although they have a hard cap due to Dodd Frank and some other. Uh, sure. But uh, let's continue. So the discussion. So for investors, how do they invest? I mean, in these in, in these. The question is where's the opportunity? You as the specialist, and I know Eddie's speed and, 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 and other guys and many of, I call them his you know, disciples and students, know the business, right? If you're active in the business, you have a marketing machine to get the deals. If you get the deals, essentially what it, what it means, you're able to buy a property, uh, maybe at the discount, maybe the discount is in the terms, right? You buy the property uh, because it's got a great debt. And you just wrap it around to somebody else um, who wants to, you know, uh, there's certainly an opportunity to to get a great property acquired, cheap debt, you sell and sell a financing, you create arbitrage. But for passive investors, how how do they get into these type of deals? Can they get into these type of deals?
0: Well, sure, because they can be a, so I'll start with the last part first, and then we'll go back to how we sort of create this. So... um, yeah, so they can a- a- absolutely participate in the investment side of it, uh, uh, depending on whatever that might look like. We're, for, and there's different ways you can do that. There's brokers out there. We 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 uh, we can place. We can help place capital if need be, because uh, we're really providing them the note, right? So that's not. We're not like doing some some type of fund, at least we're not doing it right now. We'll just provide them to be, be a, be a lien holder on it's the a note. P- passive investor. Yeah. In, and in, just, in, just be buying. You. So instead of buying the note uh, directly from something that's been created three or four or five years ago, we're going to create the note and then you can just materially participate in the ownership of it. So let me give you an example of one, I, like what we're literally just doing. This is one down in San Antonio. And we look at them all over the United States and they come in from a lot of different sources and, uh, 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 you know, partners that come in. So this one is down in San Antonio, and the underlying debt on it—it's uh, the property is worth about one hundred fifty thousand dollars. It's just your typical middle America, blue collar neighborhood where you know we're going to find a hardworking, deserving family that wants to have home ownership when Chase has told them no. So the the, the underlying debt on the, the underlying debt on the deal is about um, about sixty four thousand dollars. At five percent interest, and I go first. First, I saw it. I go, that, that's not that great, really, um, but I dug a little deeper. Well, this note was written in two thousand and six. So once you understand what amortization looks like, and you run an amortization table, and you see this has been paying down for almost fifteen years, uh, I got I got a little more excited. So then we'll take that debt. And we'll, we'll buy that property subject to that existing debt. But then we'll, the seller, there's equity. And this is where the challenge comes in, Mike, because this is what makes it so much different today than it did in the early, mid-2000s. Back in 2007 to 2009, there was a tremendous amount of short sales that were happening in the marketplace, right? Yeah. That's not going to happen, in my opinion, moving forward. And the reason being is that all these properties have gone up in value. Right, the rates have been low, so there's been some paydown, the 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 balance, and so you'll see stuff that has. Um, I'll go back to the example in a second. We'll see a lot of stuff that has a three hundred thousand dollar value, market value. The borrower owes two hundred thousand dollars, okay, and they're in a they're in a default situation. Well, there's no way that they're going to short sale a house that they only owe two hundred thousand dollars on if it's worth three hundred thousand dollars, and it's probably unlikely that the bank's going to ever foreclose on that property as a result, because the seller is smart enough to figure out a way out of that situation, uh, whatever that might be. They could be uh, selling it at a discount. It could be just selling and moving it or selling it to somebody like us. And then we will buy a portion of that equity. We're basically paying for a portion of that equity that they have in it in lieu of the cheap debt. So on a situation like that, we might pay $270,000 for that property, for example, and we'll give the seller... $70,000 $70,000 in cash, we'll take the underlying debt at, at the two and a half three 3% on $200,000. And then we'll go create something on the back end to create the cash flow. So the question becomes, you know, these sellers have all this debt equity in, and they can't get that $100,000 out unless they sell. That's usually what happens. They can't go to a loan modification. They re- can't refinance because they're, they're, not in the, they're not in the position to do so. So that $70,000 has to come from someplace. Right. Well, that seventy thousand dollars comes from private capital. Right. That's what we we, we will raise, and we'll put that note in there. We'll create a wrap mortgage, and then maybe we'll sell that piece of it out. Obviously, this is much easier to show and explain visually if we are had some kind of a PowerPoint up. But I think conceptually you can understand the idea. Yeah. So we'll put a sec- we'll put somebody in a second lien position uh, for that seventy thousand dollars, for example. They'll be they'll be in a second, but they'll be behind a behind a Wells Fargo that's at three percent. Well, for us, we're not even in we're we're junior to even in that transaction. So the only way we get paid is if our our private capital partners get paid. It's a really good it's a really good uh, model for everybody because we we will get paid, and that's the beauty about being in a bank because that's really what we are at this time, is that we're a bank, right? And banks always get paid, Mike. They may not get paid today, and they might not get paid tomorrow, but they will get paid because they have the one thing that a landlord doesn't have, and they have the asset as security against the the note that they wrote to the borrower. Period. So, you know, you might have to go through a deed in lieu, or a or cash for keys, or something along those lines, or maybe a loan modification. All those things are very very doable, and they happen all the time. But in but it always, but it also just protects the the banks investment they made into the deal. So that's sort of how the, all that works and then did like I don't know if that answers your question or confused you more than I started out to do but hopefully it said a little bit of insight.
1: And this is very familiar obviously. It's uh what you explain is is a classic subject to then you you have to uh in today's environment like you said can't do a short sale you have to buy out the equity. The question is what do you pay for the equity? How how steep of a discount? I mean, that's your spread creation. And then it's really a, a function of what deals you can work out with a seller. If the seller doesn't need the cash, they take a note, that's ideal for you. If not, yeah. you have to find an investor to give them a note, uh, basically to give you the money. And what do you typically pay on that second? I'm just curious uh, as far as um, if you have a you know, private it's investor. Relative,
0: yeah, so it's relative to the asset. And it depends on where we are in the in the ratios. But it's somewhere between uh, 7 and 10%. I mean, it's, it's solid. It's a solid return. I mean, there's no question about it. Um, uh, it just really depends on where the asset, you know, Dallas, Texas is not Cleveland, Ohio, you know what I'm saying? So if the assets in, in Texas, it's, we might be a little more bullish on it uh, than some other places, the asset type, the asset class, you know, yeah, remember, yeah. we're going to underwrite the borrower. We're going to underwrite the borrower that goes into that property no differently than Wells Fargo chasers or, or bank of America is going to do. We're going to follow Dodd Frank and follow all those same guidelines that are set forth. We're going to write a qualified mortgage, and it's going to be written just like anything else. I'm going to stack the file, just like they do. And we're going to use a third-party servicing company to manage all the the
1: cash in and cash out
0: on the transaction.
1: So let me ask you that question. So uh, that understood, how do you actually sell it then? Because you have a first mortgage, which is your you know. Like you call them Fargo, but forget about the wells. <laughs> the Fargo is yeah, right. the uh the, Yeah, right.
0: I know. I, that shows you how old I am, right? So
1: it's okay. It's, it's, it you know it's a wisdom how wise you are. Exactly. So at least the, I know what
0: wells Fargo is. <laughs> that's
1: right. So um uh the first is is a bank, then you got a second private. But when you transfer the title to them, do you do it through a trust? Is that how it happens? Is there basically a trust transfer? Because if the bank finds out the the first, uh, the chase, whoever it is, they're going to say, wait a minute, the title transfer, we weren't paid. What's the scoop? They can get a little unhappy. And the the, the investor to the property can't get high confidence that the the first will be paid uh, unless it's in a trust, right? I'm just curious, how do you structure them?
0: Well, there, you know, you could surely structure it that way. Um, you know, each state's a little bit different. Some are uh, are ju- judicial and some are non-judicial, which could have a bearing on how you how you structure some of these things. But, you know, of all the transactions that I've done, we can count on probably one hand, Mike, how many have actually gone into a uh, um, the note being called. It just doesn't happen if you create the paperwork correctly from the beginning you do the insurance correctly. At the end of the day,
1: banks just wanna get paid. And if the so, banks are getting paid, go ahead. Yeah, Nick, so what you're saying is if you do a transfer, actual transfer of title, essentially uh, transfer to a new uh, buyer, borrower, who you underwrite, Dodd Frank compliant, all that stuff, they keep the first, they get the private second, and the first doesn't, doesn't care. As long as they're paid, it's not a big deal.
0: I'm not saying they don't care. I'm not saying they don't care. I'm just saying that we separate the deed the deed from the from the lien all the time, and it's not an issue. I mean, I don't go. We don't go calling up the bank and saying, "Hey, we just did this." They get notified, and at the end of the day, they can choose to do whatever they choose to do. But we have we have we have things that we can do as well, because we've bought ourselves time to be able to create that back end paper. We can surely go pay off the underlying debt to whoever it is, and still continue to have our back end our back end cash flow. The, the the advantage of having the debt on the front side is is it's cheap and if we can ride it for 6 months or 6 years that's better than not having it in there at all because all it does is allow us to create the back end opportunity it buys us a little time
1: no, it makes sense. I mean, I've seen this many times. Again, uh, I've, I've been to many of these events, and I've I've studied, and he's talked about this and similar ideas. And this this stuff makes a ton of sense. So yeah, I think speaking.
0: the big the big difference now uh, that I see versus then is that there's there's fewer deals where you can go in and buy this stuff, zero interest from a seller or zero down. Sellers are gonna. There, there's enough equity in these properties that the seller are going to want some cash. And that becomes the real challenge, right? Because anybody can go create this model and do it. If, if, if the seller is only needs a thousand dollars walkaway money and they're not in the rears, you know, five months. Right. And doesn't in the house doesn't need repairs where it becomes a challenge is when you need to leverage a lump sum of cash in, the, in this situation, call it $50,000 that has to be able to use to be able to buy the house, close the house, pay the seller their walkway money, fix the house, resell the house, all those things. Those are all um, take time and it takes a little bit of money to create the opportunity. But once that opportunity is created, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really, really valuable um, instrument that you have once it's been created.
1: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. What can you finance to to be a new owner at at, at what kind of rate? Just curious. If you basically uh, did the work on the house, you you took it off the hands, it was in some level of distress, like the example you gave, $300,000 home, $200,000 mortgage, maybe you negotiated a deal to buy it from two seventy five. dollars Is that enough spread for you? I'm just trying to understand. Well, that
0: one, in that example, that's probably... Probably not be the right thing, but we probably we might be at three twenty five on that property. But most of the time, like uh, you know, if it's under a two hundred fifty thousand dollar price point, we're writing we're pretty aggressive on the price. Uh, We you know we we never overinflate values of the properties because at the end of the day, we want to put the the new borrower in a position to succeed, right? We don't want to put them in a negative equity position. Now we're not free on our, we're not free in what we do, and we do charge. Uh, you know um, an interest rate that's in a gu- in a guidance to what we're allowed to do which is the um, to keep it qualified in conforming its APOR plus six and a half percent which is the annual prime offer rate which is a government index that says that we can write up to six and a half percent above Over the whatever, prime. That, whatever that index is so if the index let's say is three then I can write up the nine and a half percent and we'll write somewhere pretty close to that somewhere in the nines, because look, the borrower can always go refinance and pay it off without penalty at any, at any point in time, that's completely up to them. Uh, but most of the time uh, they the really what they're comparing this to is the ability to have home ownership versus renting. And, you know, do you can, you, do you want to own it for $1,500 a month payment? Or do you want to rent it for $1,500 a month payment? That's where, that's ideally where we like to get this, model in. Now, it does vary depending on state and location, but at the end of the day, the question is to the, the borrower, is that do you, um, what's the interest rate on rent, right? I mean, there is no, there. it's infinite because you don't get any credit back from rent. So, that's where we are on it. we've done this literally, you know, the creative financing structure did it, we did this model, I don't know the exact number, let's just call it over 500 times, it was probably closer to 700. And when we built this business initially back in early 2010, we built a creative finance financing model very similar to what we're talking about today. Now, how we acquired it was a little bit different, but we turned around and sold all that we sold that business to a hundred-year-old federally chartered bank that wanted that wanted this model to do it. So, um, without getting into details on a, on, a, on a short call like this, understand that. When we built it, we we built it um, not knowing that we would sell it, but we built it to sell in in case we chose to do so. And as a result of doing that, it was actually bought by a bank because they could not do exactly what we're talking about doing. And so they built a whole other entity and company to basically run this uh, one-off model, if you would.
1: Well, this is pretty cool business. Yeah, I, I <laughs> I'm actually pretty familiar with what you what you do because I know another gentleman who. Um who has done these um, uh, conforming, but n- n- not you know, not Fanny, not Friday type of paper, and there are plenty of hardworking folks who can't get traditional product, and they they wind up buying with it, this type of financing. So th- th- this actually makes a ton of sense. So l- let's pivot a little bit. We're actually you know running just in you know, a little short on time, but um, l- let's go back to the to the beginning of the of the conversation. So. Uh, Ask the question: What COVID, what opportunities it has created? And obviously, it has slowed down the foreclosures and and forbearances and all that stuff. What do you see things going forward? Um, Do you see uh, things changing? Are the foreclosures going to be allowed? You're going to see more distress. You're going to see because we have effectively been operating in Mm -hmm. a super hot market for the reason that the government artificially uh, prohibited distress properties they, they they well the property is still distressed you can't foreclose if you can't foreclose it creates less distress people are just you know they, they, they're, they're trying to make it through the pandemic it makes sense but uh with the current uh, you know administration uh where there's every intent to help uh the homeowners uh do you see any any changes going forward uh or i mean you in taxes, it's 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 a world of its own. We, my land, yeah. your land, it's a different land. Right, the whole country is such a such a different place, depending that where you're true. at.
0: I think it's going look. I'm gonna. I, I said it earlier. I, banks will banks always get paid. They will get paid. So how are they going to get paid? I don't know the answer to that. I don't know if the government's just going to print a bunch of more money, and give it to the homeowners so they can pay the debt. I don't know. I would hope not because that doesn't do anybody any good. I think all we got to do is look at a, a country like Venezuela and see how, how that's working out for them. Uh, but the, my gut feeling, I think there's going to have to be some uh, some happy medium, but the banks are going to, the nice thing, that the, the nice position that the banks are in is that they can just loan modify if they choose to and move those payments to the back end of the note if somebody can continue to, to make pay. those payments, but what we're going to see is that not everybody's going to be able to continue to make payments. So the bank is going to have to be allowed to take back their property so they can do something else with it. Uh, otherwise, I mean, the whole the whole financials
1: market System is based on crashes. Right? No, it but it on crash, but...
0: Yeah, it's it's it's, it's, it's,
1: gonna, a, it's, it's, a, all... it's a bizarre situation from the point of view that the banks are not allowed to foreclose, and then. Um... Uh, now we go in the realm of speculation, what's going to happen for next, but, uh, it, it, it does, uh, look like, you know, as we come out of the pandemic, we, we're actually coming out pretty strong as, as the, um, economy is rolling. Uh, I think they'll probably allow some level of, you know, foreclosures. So, uh, any final thoughts, any parting thoughts, any good book, um, how would people get a hold of you?
0: Yeah. So then. They can uh, so uh, they can reach out to you uh, online at USAnotepro.com. Uh, most everything that we have there, all of our educational materials there. They can learn a little bit about more of what we do. There's some ebooks on there if they want to learn more about note investing. Uh, we do a lot with buy selling and creating of notes as well. Uh, I just I see the opportunity. Uh, that's always going to be there as a staple on what, what's going on. But I really think that we have a unique opportunity to help a lot of people moving forward that are in the forbearance are going to come out of forbearance and help them out of a bad situation by preventing them from uh, potentially going into a default status and then also helping other people obtain home ownership when they've been told they can't. So those are sort of the two the two things that I see as the biggest ad that we can we can provide for um for uh, the people uh, out there that we can make, we can help with. Um, and that's it. Just go to USA Note pro. You can reach me on there. You can reach out to all of our links to all of our social medias out there. Uh, we look at deals. I do all kinds of case studies and stuff all the time that can all be accessed on there as well. And um, you know, and if there's anybody has any questions or wants to learn more on how to buy, sell or create notes, send us an email and we'll be happy to jump on a, on a call and see if we can help them out.
1: Thank you for sharing, Nick. Much appreciated. And um, that's usanotepro.com. To reach out to Nick to, to chat about notes. Thank you very much. Hi, right, buddy. Thanks again.
0: Thank you for listening to the Big Mike Fund Podcast. To receive your copy of Mike's How to Choose a Smart Real Estate Fund Book, head to bigmikefund.com or visit Amazon and type Mike Zlotnig. Keep listening and keep investing Big Mike style. See you on the next episode.